You're listening to Hey everybody, you're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's the first weekend of September. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. No! Stop it! No, Marvin, no! This is like how I talk to my dog when he misbehaves. No! No! Leave it! Leave it! <laughs> well, we're here to talk all about the good pop that gets us through our days. With me again is self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Just Jew. Hello. And also culture editor Han Wen. Hey. Hey, everyone. So this episode is all about our pop culture gaps. Jess, Han, and I um, talk a lot about pop culture. And we realize that there are just some pieces of pop culture, be it TV, movies, or music, that um, everyone has seen except for us. And as a group, we decided to dedicate some episodes to exploring these pop culture gaps. Um, so this episode, we're going to be talking all about kids' movies that we somehow missed. Um, growing up. But before we get to that, um, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through our week. Um, Jess, what's popping? So the only thing that brings me joy now is food, Marvin. And I am now in the comfort binge eating stage of quarantine. I have been for, I would say, four months now. So I have been running out of things to cook, though, because, you know, like when you cook at home, like every day, you start running out of ideas. So I've been watching a lot of uh, Jay Kenji Alt Lopez, like Wonderful name conglomeration, by the way, just iconic. Um, just his home videos. It's like very not fancy. It's very like home video style. I think he like attaches like a GoPro to his forehead or his chest. It's like actually like pretty badly produced, but that's part of its charm. And his recipes are pretty much always fire. So I've made a few of his recipes. I've made his like meat bolognese sauce. Delicious. Would recommend. It involves, it's pretty long. It's like three hours in the oven though. And and yeah, I just like to watch this nice man make nice food. So this is like first person cooking? Like you see what he sees? He switches back and forth. But yeah, it's, such a, he, it's like a selfie cam. He basically holds it. It's actually like a terrible angle. Um, and it's just so charming though, you know, like it's just kind of about the food. He doesn't really care how he looks. He does all these different series. Like he'll do like late night cooking. Um, he had this really good, um, I guess equipment review with like, proceeds going to like Black Lives Matters and different causes. So I was like, Ooh, what a great excuse to buy myself a pizza stone, which I did. I have yet to make pizza on it, but I could make pizza. And that's the important thing. I feel in control of this, Marvin. In control. <laughs> so besides the bolognese sauce, what else have you done? Oh, I, I have literally not made anything else. I just <laughs> like to watch. It just brings me joy. And it's soothing. And I would highly recommend it. You will get hungry. And if you don't want to cook, order out and support our local business. It's a win-win-win. Yeah. So, Bahan, Speaking what's popping with you? I was about to say, speaking of wins... Here I am. Yes. Um, ha ha. <laughs> well, actually, kind of going along with that, um, I finally decided to check out the home cooking podcast. That is uh, a pandemic cooking podcast from uh, Samin Nosrat of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat fame and Hrikesh uh, Hirway, who had done um, Song Exploder. That's his um, song backstory podcast. Also and, on West Wing Weekly. Yes, uh, he's just a podcast sort of god, basically. And um, it what's it, they first started it because you know they figured people needed something light, but also sort of not a call in show. They like email their questions in, and so Samin was going to kind of help them through it. Um, and what I love is that um, they have a really great chemistry because if you've seen anything that Samina's has done, she just is bubbly and is constantly laughing. Um, but her knowledge about food is just incredible. Um, and uh, Rishi, he's hilarious. And of course, what I love is he loves puns and so do I. And so whenever he does a food pun, she wants to kill him. And so it's just they have a very sibling sort of like uh, dynamic, which I enjoy. Um, a lot of the food stuff is interesting. Um, I'm only halfway through because they were, they were supposed to be a four episode podcast. 
series and then they realized the quarantine was still going on so they started they started it up again so now they're on episode eight i am currently listening to episode five um something i really enjoyed was you know like i mentioned that people write in their questions and one of the most recent questions was um by two people who have injured their hands and so they're like asking for tips on how to cook with just one hand and weirdly enough i had injured my arm um during uh quarantine so although i have use of it it's not completely one-handed but um it did mean that like certain heavy pots and things like that just stuff i could do um was limited and i tried not to do things with a lot of prep so i'd buy things that were already prepped so you know those were things that kind of uh samin went over which i thought was great Hmm. and in the most recent episode uh rishi kind of put a call out to see who wanted to date Samin and so he is going to be with these uh personally invested and he and uh and some friends are going to be the aunties and uncles to kind of <laughs> anyway what what I just thought that was kind of sweet but also I, she must be mortified uh and uh which she did say she was and it's just I don't know it's just a delightful thing the only thing is yes it makes me hungry listening to it while I am exercising so I should be listening to this while I cook because then I get something out of it yeah, I feel like a good workout podcast is something that is <laughs> political, so edu- you're just fueled with anger <laughs> or educational, can, you know, like uh, um, narrative. I've found a lot of narrative podcasts recently, like the audio dramas. They can mm-hmm. be pretty good. Or if there's a mini series of, of, of docu series work really well. But um, I had sort of just done I had binged one podcast that was like 100 episodes and then i binged two other miniseries so i kind of wanted something just totally non-narrative for a little bit and this is what i landed on and yes it's probably torture but it's only four more episodes so i will get yeah. through it <laughs> so marvin how about you well if you've been following the show for the past couple of weeks you might have noticed that this summer has been um my time to catch up on all of my geeky pursuits, including um, catching on TV shows, watching anime, um, and also playing video games. So this past week, I actually finished my first visual novel, which for those of you who don't know, is a type of video game. It's like a narrative first interactive story. Um, Imagine like an RPG that's all cutscenes, right? And usually some light decision making. So it's kind of closer to a choose your own adventure for the most part. Um, The most popular versions of this are things like dating sims, um, but there are also more narrative driven ones. And um, I played a game called Autry, My Dearest Memories, um, developed by a company called Frontwing. It's a science fiction slash rom-com story. Um, It takes place in a near future um, Earth that's been devastated by an ecological disaster. Um, Basically, the sea levels have risen and has flooded the majority of the Earth's um, habitable landmass. And So lighthearted, Marvin. (laughs) The the, the content you consume. Story about our bleak future um but yeah it's actually a pretty hopeful story um it follows the main character who is kind of a genius but has dropped out of college um for various reasons and moves to his late grandmother's um houseboat near the coast to pull his life back together and discovers an android with human-like emotions um, named Atri um, within his grandmother's effects. And so the story is about how he um, is able to regain his confidence in his own abilities, in his dreams of saving the world through science, through building a relationship with Atri, in addition to the friends he makes in his new um, community. And it's a pretty uplifting story about how people can come together and um, support each other, even in the bleakest of times. In addition to the science fiction tropes of asking if a robot is able to have genuine emotions, does that mean they have a soul? And does that make them a person? And um, kind of like Blade Runner or her um, asking those questions as well, in addition to imagining what a world might look like post um, sea levels rising. And it's a relatively short visual novel, only about 10 hours of total gameplay. I was able to finish it in a couple of days, but I found it to be a really enjoyable story. And, you know, people who know me know that I'm a sucker for anything genre, especially sci-fi or fantasy. So um, it's definitely right up my alley. And I definitely enjoyed the presentation of it. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll check out some more visual novels down the line. Wow. It makes my other 
what's popping watching Love Island feel so <laughs> lightweight. It's fine. I'm definitely in the Love Island camp, Hans. So don't feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess that's a quick what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're going to fill in some of our pop culture gaps. Uh, stick around. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. We're back uh, on this episode of Good Pop. We're talking all about our pop culture gaps, uh, specifically um, kids' films that we missed. So each of us has brought a piece of pop culture that um, we missed as kids, and um, we're going to discuss. So let's start with Han. So I was wondering why I had missed this film the first time around, and it was probably because I was a teenager. Um, And so this... movie the mighty ducks in 1992 seemed maybe too junior for what i thought you know my tastes were going to be um at the time also like i had grown up watching emilio estevez in uh breakfast club and young guns and you know being the cool guy and now all of a sudden you know there comes a time in many actors lives when they all of a sudden shift to kids films and um i wasn't quite there yet with him it's kind of like when eddie murphy did that and i was like i guess i can watch nutty professor or whatever but Mm -hmm. like it just wasn't the same so um also i think at that point i wasn't didn't know that i liked sports films because i know i didn't really like sports um, I played soccer, but I didn't watch sports. Um, so anyway, um, uh, I finally watched this. Uh, my, I have a friend named Joyce Eng and she is obsessed with the Mighty Ducks. Like <laughs> she is so obsessed with it that she has also been on the Quack Attack podcast before as a guest. Um, she is known as a Mighty Ducks aficionado. Um, I don't know if there's any other term for it. I'm sure there is that I don't. No, I think I think the alternative term is a Joshua Jackson stand because there's definitely a generation of young men and women who were of the correct age to like, I think, right on the cusp of puberty or like in the beginning, horny throes of puberty when they like watch this movie. And then he went on to Dawson's Creek where he was like also super attractive so I, yeah, I gotta say, was he super attractive in the Mighty Ducks? Wasn't he like a kid? No, he's it's a kid. weird. It's weird to say that, but he's now. But yeah. yeah, he's like a cutie. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you can't I, ask. No, no. Still well, pack this right now. Everything, everything I watch that where they have a cute kid, I always think, oh, eleven-year-old Han would have really loved him, and and I would have at that point. Like, but right now you're just like, oh my god, he has such a cute little baby face. Um, he also has a great head of hair. So, so much. So fluffy. It, it, I was shocked. I mean, I know he had a good head of hair as Pacey, um, but I was kind of shocked. And I now I am. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't see it as as a teenager, because maybe I would have been like, oh, no, no. But um, yeah, it's uh, so Eldon Henson is also in it. His name um, at the time was Eldon Ratliff. Um and uh, Eldon Henson, if you know, uh, has been in um, Daredevil as Foggy Nelson and in the that whole Marvel sort of series. Yeah, he's Fulton. Yeah. Yeah, he's Fulton. Well, look, look, OK, so Joshua Jackson as. is Charlie. Eldon Henson is Fulton. And at the time, he was the biggest of all of them. Now he now I looked up his height because I was like, on, on Daredevil, he's shorter and he's five nine. Uh, and Joshua Jackson's six two. <laughs> um, so it's like they kind of flip places and there's a whole bunch of other kids there. I didn't recognize anyone else, although I saw the name Jesse Smollett. Um, I don't recall him in the movie and I, maybe he's the one black kid, huh? I know, but okay. <laughs> they, they changed his name then because on the credits he's listed as Terry, but on the movie he's called Jesse. And so I thought I might've been wrong. Um, which Jesse, Jesse, I mean, you know, they don't have to reach. 
very far to get that. Um, but anyway, so it's the classic underdog uh, sports movie. Uh, Emilio Estevez is kind of this big shot lawyer and he's always into winning no matter what the cost. And then you look back and it's because he had lost the championships when he was playing peewee hockey as a kid. He choked. Um, I remember that. Yeah, he choked. He choked. So he lost them the championship. His coach was a really evil dude. And um, that guy plays evil dudes real Yeah, well, he often right? does. Yes. And uh, I'm wondering, was he? No, I have to double check. I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, was he a principal? And... No, I don't know. He, if he probably was he, he's the type of guy who's Something. always yelling in these movies, right? He's yeah. Like the angry guy. Yeah. He's um, classic evil dude. He yeah. was the DA in my cousin Vinny. <laughs> he was. I'm looking his him up right now on Wikipedia because oh, definitely like very very storied um, TV career. Definitely playing these like annoying authority figures. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. you talk about like Emilio Estevez is like. I guess transition because to me he's always been like Gordon Bombay. Yeah, he's been he's dad, right? You know how oh, no. some actors transition to dad. Nah, um, yeah, and it's always distressing if you followed them. Like, well, did you yeah. see Macaulay Culkin? What he tweeted recently? He was like, "It's my birthday. I'm 40. Yeah, you're old. You're welcome." <laughs> well, I was like, like, "That's just rude, sir." <laughs> well, like Mila Kunis, like all those '70s show kids. And they even played teenagers. But like Mila Kunis, when I first met her, she was like 15, 16. And um, now she's not only playing moms, but she is a mom. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's an interesting Reese Witherspoon. Like, you know, she oh was God. in yeah. all those teen movies. Like, And then now she's not only being a mom, she's in her 40s, like mom characters. And she's a producer, too. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 in- it's really interesting because Emilio Estevez, I remember, and his brother, Charlie Sheen. Um, See, I didn't know they were brothers when oh, I watched this film. You did, not, did you know they're both the sons of Martin Sheen? Yes. Martin yeah, well, I know that now. But when I watched it for the first time, I didn't realize that um, he was the only brother that didn't change his name. Yeah. And so it was just interesting because, of course, I grew up with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And then Charlie Sheen is in that also as like a druggie. <laughs> Hmm. And then uh, <laughs> so and then, of course, together they were in uh, a really bad comedy called Men at Work, um, where they're garbage men. But uh, anyway, so it was just interesting. And that was the, yet another reason for me not to have watched it when I was a teenager, because I was like, eh, you I don't want to see this guy. You couldn't see well, it's just, There was no interest in me. I, I didn't watch any of those underdog kids sports movies like I've never seen the Bad News Bears. Um, and that's even older than this. And that might have been during my era. So, yeah, it was kind of weird. But what I thought was interesting was, you know, this was deep in the uh, in the 90s slash 80s. And so the references, they had references to Karate Kid in it. And then one of the kids in the on the team was um, kept doing like the Wayne's World speech. So I thought that was cool. Marky Mark song. Uh, Marky Mark at the Funky Bunch. Good song on there. Um and only one Asian character who's very, very, very minor. And Jane was the legal assistant to uh, Gordon Bombay. And she had an interesting haircut at the beginning. Um, but Wait, <laughs> who was the a- Was there an Asian kid in this one or was that the sequel? Not this one. Um, that's so the that's sequel. the sequel. So that's, that's what I'm waiting for. He's too fast. He can't stop, right? He's like the, yeah, he's like the figure skater or something. Or hey, something. like no spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so clearly I didn't watch d2 or d3 yet but i am looking forward d2 to has evil like what swedish coach? Finnish, oh swedish russian <laughs> russian some some slavic is this a scandinavian they, i remember yeah some scandinavian i thought they were like people Finnish who know or something i remember this movie being like one of those that i watched over and over and over although now i can't really remember the beats the only beat i do remember is when they do that Karate Kid sweep the leg moment where the um, enforcer checks, um, who was it? Banks, right? Adam Banks? Tony Banks? Adam. Adam Banks, right. Adam. And then injures him. And then um, they ask, what are you doing? And the kid goes, my job. I do love the <laughs> 80s slash 90s, like really bad villains who are kids or, or teenagers because they're really bad. They don't care. Um, and, and you, and you, and you know exactly how you're supposed to feel about them. There's no depth. 
Um, but anyway, so it, this was very enjoyable uh, for what it was as far as like just a bunch of dudes that, you know, they had a token girl in there who, you know, only knew how to figure skate. Uh, there was a love interest, of course. Um, and so I'm looking forward to actually the follow ups, because like as you say, there's an Asian. I'm wondering if there's any other diversity in there or not. There's um, evil Finnish coach. Oh, well, yeah. And um, but anyway. Yeah, that's why I I was at first wanting Jess to watch Goonies because that had a main kid, you know, Asian kid in there. But uh, anyway, you know, yeah, I haven't I watched know. the third one. I don't think I've ever watched the third one. Oh, well, so the third one, chance. the third one will be on Disney Plus. I think it's like on contract. It might be on like Netflix right now, but it, it's coming soon to Disney Plus. So they will all live in beautiful <laughs> harmony together. <sighs> but D three was one of the ones I. It was one of the VHS tapes that we just had in the house growing up so i do not remember a time i did not ha- like have knowledge of d3 but i had never seen d2 or d1 Whoa. <laughs> so i was watching d3 and it has it it's not spoiler it's not gordon bombay it's <gasps> still the team but basically emilio estevez is like not the main character it's really more about charlie and they go to a boarding school it's like it Whoa. reads kind of like a fan fiction <laughs> but it's great it's really good and it's like they're definitely in like right. their older teens now and it's like i'm all about charlie that's great yeah isn't it like the original team became the jv team of this boarding school and then adam banks but becomes banks gets varsity. moved to varsity yeah. cuz that's like a that's like a running thread like adam banks there's drama cuz he's just very good <laughs> which i that's fine I'm wondering, have we had a kids franchise similar to this recently in the past, like, 10 years? I'm sure there have been. I just have not bothered to pay attention. I don't think kids movies like this are no. in the realm of the theatrical release anymore. You're right. I think I think we are seeing... I think High oh, School you know Musical what? is probably the Well, that's 2000. Not a theatrical... Like- and not a theatrical release. That right, was a, right, right. that was a TV movie, and also teenagers. I'm trying to think of more like kids, and I'm. But I do. But I agree. I think if we're going to see anything like this, it will be on streaming. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot shame. Of them. Yeah, because I. I mean, I have the more and more, especially like through this pandemic, and you know, all these like new releases coming out or not coming out. Um, I really miss the four quadrant family movie, like in the truest mm-hmm. sense, like the big theatrical four quadrant film. I just feel like, especially the ones in the eighties and like early nineties, they're just so sincere. Like I feel like everything now has to have a layer of like meta humor or like some edge, like, right? A edge, or you have to have a twist built. And I was like, why? Some of the best movies, I think if you like ask anyone to name their top five favorite movies, there's gonna be like a four quadrant family film that's just very sincere. It's like very sincerely approached the angle. Everything is just like pretty straightforward. They just do it really well and it's like a good time. And I'm like, why can't we just have that? <laughs> They don't really make a splash or they don't make a splash anymore in the culture. They even make, may, might make a lot of money, but they're not really adding to the cultural conversation kind of like Mighty Ducks did, which really still kind of baffles me why it's so popular. I honestly don't like it's an enjoyable movie, but I don't really understand why it was like popular enough to it, it, launch a sports franchise. Yeah, I well, mean, we, we can't Jackson. talk about the Mighty Ducks without talking about the fact that like mm-hmm. it's the original kind of Disney cash cow kind of um, horizontal integration. Right? <laughs> yeah, because it became a sports franchise. It became a cartoon on Disney Afternoon. Do you guys remember the cartoon? I, remem- I do the remember. They were actual cartoon? ducks, yeah. right? They were from like actual space from like a hockey, hockey playing duck ducks. planet. Yeah. Yes. I I kind of wish like I don't know. I had followed it, and not that it would have been these kids playing, but I w- I wish I had gone to a mighty ducks game you know <laughs> like just for fun the fun of it oh, i have some die hard ducks fans in my life like my best friend from elementary school her whole family are like die hard ducks fans <laughs> i was like this is so random r.i.p the ducks but my, well my friend joy sang who i mentioned has a ducks jersey of the green variety the movie variety and now i'm like oh i kind of wish i had that um it, but by the way, just it's not of the level. But if you do want a sort of a four quadrant um, 
uh, family movie sort of thing, uh, Feel the Beat on Netflix is that dance um, film with Sophia Carson from Descendants <laughs> in it. And I highly recommend that as a very sweet film. One last thing on the, the Mighty Ducks, specifically the hockey team, is I am a Kings fan, but I remember when the Mighty Ducks debuted and D2, the Mighty Ducks 2, was essentially one long like marketing commercial for the new franchise because that's when they debuted the climax of the movie is they come out in new uniforms for the Mighty Ducks. Uh, and that was the same uniform as the professional sports team. That's like some real world crossover brilliant. shit. That's <laughs> brilliant. Um, but I remember I Make was... that a- <laughs> Disney money! Um, but true to Brian, I was a Ducks fan because like one of their star players was Paul Correa, who was one of the few Asian hockey players in the league. I think he's half Japanese. I've actually never oh, yeah. been to a hockey game. I would love to now. Like, I've yeah. gone to they're one. They're fun because everyone. There's going to be at least one fight. Yeah, I like the um, fights, which is fun. But I went to a, a Golden Knights game in Vegas, and I realized <laughs> I don't know the rules of hockey at all. So I didn't know that if you go into overtime, it's just the first one who scores the goal, like wins. So then, like they end up winning. The Knights end up winning. And then they, because they scored the first goal in overtime, and then everyone goes like wild, and then like it, they start like dancing on the ice, like at the cheerleaders and like all the like the mascots start dancing on the ice, and I'm just like, what is happening? Like, is this part of a hockey game? Is I I and then I like literally turned to the person next to me. I was like, wait, did they win? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. It's like, oh, cool, 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 yay! I went for the nachos. I feel like that's on whoever you went with, not explaining things to you. Well, it's not like I want my boyfriend. It's not like he's the biggest sports fan. I think we just wanted to go experience <laughs> a like a hockey game. The Knights do, are doing, you know, they're a fairly new team. They're doing very well overall. And I'm just like, oh, this is like very extra. And I just don't sports understand why. It's so extra. And I don't understand women have the like rap in culture or like society of being the dramatic ones when. Have you ever been to a sports game, specifically hockey, where they do a whole pre-show that's like based on Game of Thrones? Like they they film this whole thing and it's like it's just so dramatic. And I just like everyone's like yelling their heads off or like so mad about something happening or not happening. Again, I don't know the rules of hockey. And I'm just like, what is this? I was like, men are so dramatic. I was not aware any of that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah! Like if you go to a sports game, because there's no commercials, right? Extra, like when they yeah. when they have to cut to commercial breaks, they have to fill the time. So they like give you pizza, they shoot t-shirts at you. There's dancing, oh the mascots do thing. They play games. It's it's they like they like play very ominous music when like uh, when your home team league comes out. They play like very like cool aggressive music, and then when they play when the uh, opposite opposing team comes out they play like very like lame music or they'd be like boo and i'm just like whoa okay i didn't know this happened i don't see this on tv hmm interesting yeah because i gotta say that sounds way more interesting and i hate to say this, uh than baseball games what they do in between <laughs> <laughs> all right well jess what do you have for us all right so my pop culture gap for kids entertainment is the Muppets. Like just generally the Muppets. Um, I I also took a little bit of time to think why I have this gap. So again, children of immigrants. My parents came in the eighties, so like they missed the first wave when they were on like Sesame Street and like their first show came out. And then my sister wasn't born till like the late eighties, and I think she was too young to really like be consuming. It's it's a little bit like like elementary school kids i think because the jokes are very very funny it's like very actually dense mm-hmm. like character work well i mean the muppets and, are and jokes for adults like yeah yes. the Muppet show was amazing and then i think since the first muppet movie was kind of really riding off of that um oh yeah it, yeah very like so- you were saying very dense comedy but they're so kind of ubiquitous in culture. Right? You, everyone knows who the Muppets. Everyone knows who Kermit and Piggy is, even if you haven't necessarily seen the movie or the shows. You know, I've gone to Disneyland multiple times, and they have like Muppet shows. But I just like never really understood the appeal. Honestly, they're kind of ugly. Like, let's be real. Like, 
they're not the cutest, you know, especially coming from like Asian, like kawaii, <laughs> very, very cutesy, like animated, like puppety things. Oh my God, I watched it. I watched this 1979 movie, the original Muppet movie. It is so fucking hilarious. I thought we millennials invented meta humor in kids' <laughs> no. movies. And I am, I was so like, oh my God, this is, this is so like from the beginning. It's almost like airplane for kids. Not gonna lie. I know I talked about airplane last <laughs> week, but the meta humor breaking the fourth wall. It's also, I mean, it starts with them watching, going onto a studio lot to watch a movie, which is something I very much miss right now, you know, not being yeah. able to do that. I mean, did you realize that the Muppets, like the original Muppets, was a show about show business? I did not know that. It is, and it's so the, funny. It's one of, I think, the best shows about show business than yeah, any mean, of the other ones, like maybe 30 Rock. The original Muppet show was like the original Larry Sanders show. It's like a show about a show being made. Like the original 30 Rock. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. I did not know this. Like <laughs> someone buried the lead or else I would have watched this way earlier. But it okay, like number one, it's so like that first song, you know, Rainbow Connection is iconic. A beautiful song. The songs just slap too. <laughs> Um, so it's a it's a it's a musical, it's a comedy, it's a road trip movie. And these are like the only thing it's missing is like a heist. Honestly, if this was like a heist oh, comedy you've never road seen trip the musical great movie. Caper? There's a great there's a heist <laughs> Oh my god, I was so excited. So I know I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna go through the Muppet catalog. Um, but like the jokes are very, very funny. But in like it holds up very well. So 1979, it's been 40 years, and mm. it still very much works, which is amazing considering how fast comedy can be outdated or like inappropriate or like racist or sexist <laughs> or X Y whatever X Y C. No, it's wholesome. It's hilarious. Um. Oh, I also love a getting the gang together movie. So you know. And I've realized that half of my boyfriend's com comedic repertoire is actually just from the Muppets because he has <laughs> definitely used many of these jokes on me. His he does the "Who's driving the car?" bit to me <laughs> like more often than is probably like acceptable in a normal human relationship. Um, but we're not really normal humans. Maybe we're both Muppets. Who knows? We're all Muppets. We're all Muppets. Do you I remember just, the new so Muppet lovely. movie, the one with J Jason Segel? Where no, that's the thing. I have not. Am I a seen... Muppet or am I a man? That's yeah. the thing. I've not seen any of the Muppets shows or movies. It's just I just didn't. I just thought it was for kids because they're puppets. Um, I also adjacent to the actual movie. I have a friend who's going through one of the programs that I'm running at work, and she is a like she's in kids media. And she, we had this whole intense discussion about puppets and puppetry. And there's like this whole world. It's amazing. I was like, oh my God. And I love puppets. Like mm -hmm. I love things that are kind of artsy fartsy. Puppets are definitely one of those. But Muppets aren't puppets. Have, they're they're not. legally not puppets. They're, wait, what? Really? <laughs> Explain. No. They're Muppets. No, they are. They're puppets. Um, they're Muppets. But have you seen Jim Henson will have the new head. Dark Crystal? Did you see the original Dark Crystal? No. no. See, that oh was before my, my time. Okay, too. we we need to do a dark crystal like pop <laughs> culture gap because you know. Also, when you're talking about Henson, um, and puppetry, like that that film, first of all, was supposed to be for kids. Super dark, by the way. Um, uh, about a genocide. And oh, uh, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. And then cool. so once you get to Netflix, they created a uh, prequel series. And the puppetry is amazing. And then um, the voice cast is crazy. Mm. And I, I don't know. I adored it. But I just, I loved The Dark Crystal so much as a kid because of the creepy puppetry. Um, and I've always loved The Muppets. So yeah, oh, for me, oh, any puppets. I get yes, yes. Oh, so Jim Henson's Labyrinth was a formative text yes. in my youth mm -hmm. and made me feel funny in my bottom parts whenever <laughs> David Bowie was on screen. I mean, look, like, that was I just will... good stuff. Good, good, It good was stuff. great. Yeah. It was great. I've so uh, there was a... Oh, you should watch Labyrinth. There was a... Okay, maybe we need to do a Jim Henson pop culture gap here <laughs> for you guys. Uh, there was also a very limited series uh, called the... God, what is it? I forgot now what is it. 
um, it was a storyteller. Maybe it was called a storyteller where um, this guy would tell stories. And so it was an anthology series of fairy tales. But then there was also a dog that was a puppet on there, too. And it was dark fairy tales. So, yeah, all good stuff. I, I love this sort of like creeping into the dark stuff uh, that these puppets did because, you know, most people don't think of puppets as being kind of dark and creepy and, you know, telling these sort of harder stories. But the Muppet movie, my God, if you have not seen it or you haven't revisited, especially if you haven't revisited it as an adult, I would highly recommend you do so. It holds up extremely well as a comedy. It holds up well just as like a fun movie and like at the end of the day the message is like don't sell out <laughs> like like don't be don't don't be like a an uncle wong or an uncle tom you know because the basically the whole premise is that kermit is being chased after a con- colonel sanders-esque fast food businessman who wants him to be the mascot of his new fast food chain but it's selling frogs legs and Kermit's like no I'm not gonna sell frogs legs that's like not good for my people and I'm saying this I'm trying to say this in all like sincerity and Han's like losing her shit right now but it's just like also the messages is like be a nice person follow your dreams but don't be a fucking sellout it's so good it's so good like- it's amazing it's amazing and oh my god and the cameos are amazing I I, I like looked through the cameos for the 2011 movie and like it's not on this level of the 1979 movie there's like comedy icons in here like a-list comedy icons and definitely is the amazing i mean is the original muppet show available on disney plus right now i don't know let me check you should check check. that out because like the muppet show is one of those shows kind of like monty python where there are just iconic um scenes iconic skits and 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 lines uh it was so good and the muppet show was the best they tried to redo it with muppets tonight it didn't quite work out yeah the muppet show was actually before my time i i didn't get into until college um mm-hmm. my my introduction to the muppets was actually muppet babies which is <laughs> the 90s era cartoon which is pretty much rugrats but muppets yeah yeah. Uh, it, for for those of who you have uh, little kids at home and HBO Max, Elmo has a show called The Not Too Late Show with Elmo, um, which is a little bit Muppet Show esque in that he does a late show, but not too late. And so you see a little bit of the behind the scenes, and there's like usually a guest star who sings a song, and he you know he talks to someone. But since it's Elmo and it's for kids, you know it's not going to be as uh meta as the muppet show but it's still very cute and it's short um so yeah but it's kind of has a little bit of that formula like you see the chickens um you know like gonzo's chickens so you see chickens and stuff like that in like the the booth and ernie's running around and yeah so it's weird it's but it's good stuff yeah but great film, definitely see that the it's it's really the ancestor of a lot of the animated films or like you know the kids films I really enjoyed today. It, there's I think there's a direct line between Muppets and like Lord and Miller <laughs> and the work they've been doing. Um, anytime you have a running joke that goes over like three times, again I think I've told you about this. What if it's over like three times? They say that's a sweet spot. Four is cringy, but then after four, it's like funny every single time and. You know, they they do that with the Hare Krishna joke. <laughs> it's just so, it's great. I love it. Would highly recommend. It brought a big smile to my face and a lot of joy into my heart, which, you know, is, I'm not taking for granted right now. Uh, I'm and yeah, excited. would recommend. I'm excited for you because there are, there's so much Muppet content out there for you to consume. Do you want me to like live text you and I'm watching the Muppet <laughs> caper? You should just watch all the movies. Yeah, no, that's what I'm gonna probably gonna do this weekend. But yeah. I'm very excited, and I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, ho- group Halloween costume guys while we're socially <laughs> quarantined, but like a sexy version of Kermit the Frog. Well, I'm sure there is a sexy Kermit the Frog. Oh, 100, there's a sexy <laughs> Kermit out there. A sexy Fozzie Bear. Mm, oh, and Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem is like the best band name <laughs> I have ever heard. Uh... Like just hands down. Fictional or real? Was there Beaker in this movie? Maybe I not. I think he's only in the beginning when they're okay. all watching the movie. 
because um, it's yeah. I mean, there that would have been a stretch for him to be in it. So I just couldn't remember. Yeah, they pick up Fozzie, um, the Gonzo, Miss Piggy, Rolf, and on their way to Hollywood. <laughs> Man. I enjoyed oh, no, the I 2011 is, one. I, yeah. I enjoyed the, the most recent one. I'm kind of sad that they didn't um, go further. They yeah. made a they made a sequel that like didn't do well money wise. Mm. So yeah. the 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 movies are hit or miss. I think <clears throat> so. You just have to figure out yeah. which ones you like and then watch those again. Over I over. remember Muppets Muppet Treasure Island not not being great. No, but loving the soundtrack. Like I yeah. played that soundtrack a lot. There are things to like about most of the movies, but they might not all hit. Like Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, was a little odd but still good you know you kind of have to laugh at the cast. that soundtrack also slaps though yeah who's scrooge in this scrooge is a scenario? scrooge is actually a dude um oh but everyone else is a is a muppet is, it, the, the, the way they blended people and muppets all the time i just found fascinating and i think that's kind of why it worked you know that type of humor well there was a meme scrooge or is like michael kane Oh my god, I love Michael Caine. But I do remember a little bit, like maybe a year or two ago, there was a meme going around where it's like, oh, pick a movie, keep one actor, pick one actor to keep, but everyone else is Muppets. That was like a really fun game. And I really think they should just do that. Like as short films, as a series. I would love to see all of those versions. I think my version I really want to see was like Die Hard keep Bruce Willis, but everyone else is a Muppet. Oh my God, can you, Hans Gruber? Oh no, my God, yeah. that's a Keep Muppet. Hans Gruber. If you're choosing between Bruce Willis or Alan Rickman, you keep Alan Rickman. But it'd be funny to see a Muppet Hans Gruber. Would I, it be, I, wouldn't it be more fun to see a Muppet John McClane? I'm just also trying to think about like the interaction between the Muppet. And, I, and I'm not sure, and I think... Bruce Willis with Muppets might be better, even though I love Alan Rickman, of course. I I just I don't know. I feel like Bruce Willis with Muppets would, is really gold. Yeah, because he's Bruce Willis is so physical in it, and like all the terrorists are pretty like they hold a gun, and like you know Hans Gruber is very chill. But like, what if like what if what if like Kermit was on? No, Kermit would never be Hans Gruber. He's too pure of heart. But like, what if what if it was like oh Fozzie would be like Hans Gruber? I want to see Alan Rickman monologue. Oh, two Muppets. To a Muppet. Right. Why don't we? Why don't we just do two, both versions? <laughs> yes, as, as, long as, as long as we're doing fantasy. Brilliant. Um, Solve the problem. Yeah. Um, I am curious, Jess. In watching this, what was your reaction when you finally heard him sing "Rainbow Connection"? Kermit. It was so sweet. I mean, I've I've heard Kermit sing "Rainbow Connection" in other contexts. I didn't really realize it was in this movie. It was also oddly beautiful, like the swamp, even though I think it's supposed to be Florida, and you know, I have gone on the record saying Florida is hot trash. But it was very oddly beautiful, and then like in the context of like this, this, like it's a really sad song, guys. Yes, it is. It's, I've never heard the second verse. Where they're like, oh, someone said it and someone believed it. And like, why? And I'm like, Kermit, what are you smoking in the swamp? <laughs> I have You're... had a coworker who could do the Kermit voice and would sing this. And it just got oh, me. I can <laughs> do it. I can do time. it too. Are you, I can do it too. Okay. Are you ready? Why are there so many songs about rainbows? What's on the other side? Oh, yeah. All right. That's the it. party trick. You can't sing anymore unless, <laughs> unless we yeah. want to get sued by right. Disney. Yeah, that's right. But that's good. That's good. Good, good. Oh, I can sing the synonym version. Uh, why is it great? Like, great. What's a, what's a synonym for amazing that keeps us looking at stars? This is the bootleg version. It's a uh, street legal. <laughs> street legal. <laughs> Royalty free. <laughs> All right. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's that's that was my pop trip gap. That is a gap no more. But Marvin, what did you partake in this week? <laughs> so I've gone on record saying that my biggest shame as in Asian American who works uh, peripherally around the entertainment industry is that I have a surprising lack of experience with Ghibli films. Um, I know for sure I've watched two, Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro, 
but I watched those two when I was really young, so I don't really remember them at all. And it's a shame because these are films that I know I'll like. And I think that's probably why I've been putting off watching it. Because you know sometimes there's something you really, really want to watch and you're pretty sure you'll like it, so you end up not watching it for way too long. That's me and Ghibli films. Yes. So uh, I've done that with TV shows where I don't want it to end when it gets canceled. So I just leave those last few episodes not watched. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden it's 10 years and you're like, I guess I should finish this show. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> so now it's time that you have HBO Max. Yeah. Well, so I thought about what to watch and I wasn't in the mood for anything super heavy. So I didn't watch your Mononoke or your Fireflies. Um, I watched uh, Kiki's Delivery Service for the first time. And it was pretty fucking delightful. Um, I know that like people call Ghibli like the Disney of Japan, but I don't think that's really an apt description, right? Because the films are totally different. Like Ghibli films in general, and I know this is kind of their style, can be if they were live action, they'd be like they'd be more similar to like independent filmmaking than than like studio films, right? Yeah, definitely more nuanced than Disney films. And compared to other, I think compared to like kids, especially American, like like animated films aimed towards kids, not a lot happens in Ghibli films. Like actually, it's it's yeah. like plot wise. Like if you were to tell me the plot of any of these movies, it's kind of like you'll probably do it in like a sentence or two. Yeah, it's more about vibes. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting so many like wide shots and like scenery shots like it reminded me of independent filmmaking because it's all about like the framing and the shots and kind of the what's happening on screen as opposed to the plot and the plot's pretty straightforward you know for people who've watched it or haven't watched it kiki's um delivery service is about a uh, young witch named kiki who basically moves to the big city from her like country town to find a life for herself and it's basically it's a coming of age story that we've seen a lot right like main character leaves their small town to try to make it in the big city and then creates a found community around the people that they settle around. Um, And I actually wasn't expecting it to be that sort of story. I didn't realize that it took place in the big city. Um, I spent a good chunk of the movie trying to place where it is because I was convinced it took place in Japan, but it's some sort of like French German town. And yeah, I, I really, really dug it. What was really refreshing was that it wasn't about like, you know how, like, I think as like Jess said, like American media for kids or children's media is all about good versus evil, prince saving princesses, like heroes and things like that. And this is just about like, sure, she's a witch, but it's about her like day to day as she moves into this new town. And I thought I found it really, really fun to watch. Yeah, his movies tend to focus on like a lot of psychological development, I think, and, you know, in growing up and kind of just those little struggles um he also tends to make movies about young women i i don't think there's a i mean princess mononoke is kind of a two-hander because the main the guy there's a guy but i mean a lot of these films are about like yeah like young women finding themselves in a kind of difficult situation it's not inherently like the most exciting or like the biggest obstacle i mean spirited away is a little intense because her parents turn into pigs and she's stuck in a magical bathhouse <laughs> but even then it's like still very like vibes right yeah. and like just growing up and i don't it's, it's very sweet i don't know i always come away from these films feeling very melancholy like bittersweet it's just like oh yes yeah youth it is slowly slipping away <laughs> And I think it's the same feeling I get when I'm watching, like, a lot of animes. I've been watching a lot of, like, rom-com anime, like, slice-of-life anime. And it's like, why isn't there an apparatus in, like, American media for stories like this to be told in in animation? I can't think of a lot of, like, American animated films that take this kind of more nuanced or deliberate approach to storytelling, right? They're all more flashy. They're all more, you know, faster-paced and more... um, kind of formulaic and it's a shame that there's there really isn't a studio that specializes in this type of storytelling anime storytelling for more yeah i think in the america i mean i mean it's economics and in america 
animated films equals Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's not Disney, it pretty much equals Disney or people trying to compete against Disney because Disney has, has such a has had such a market share for like decades at, or if not a century at this point. Um, and it's just we expect animated films to be Disney films, even if they're like formulaically story wise, like how they're structured that like, we, we really do expect that or or to combat that perception when you do marketing is kind of tough yeah and it's so expensive to make a animated film right it's five years five years of production three years in development two years like animating it takes dozens and if not hundreds of people to make your film you can't really change it either if it's hitting a certain point it's it's actually kind of amazing right i think that's the sad part is there's no like there should be a pipeline of this type of film this type of storytelling for people to write too, right? Because there's a lot of work out there that could be adapted into animation, right? Well, it's interesting because in animation, the writer is, it's because Hayao Miyazaki is a filmmaker, like in the true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Like he writes, directs, animates his own. But a lot of his films are projects. adaptations of novels or short stories, right? Well, yeah, but he essentially writes the yeah. film version. Yeah. And in animation, writing, animating it and writing like the actual story are so inherently tied. You really have to be an animator mm. to tell the story. Yeah. That, that it, and I think that's why there's sort of this different life when it comes to animation. Cause it really does. Like when you talk, when you, when you see people and they're like, well, that's kind of based on my daughter, you know, that type of thing. There's really no way when you have live action to do that. Cause it's like, you can maybe have your daughter's name as a character, but like, you know, it's, 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 it, yeah, the influence the filmmaker has in animation is kind of crazy, which is probably why these films feel so different because Miyazaki is no Walt Disney. And, um, I, 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 I also just love the range of what these films are like because, yes, most of them are going to have, incredible vistas and like you were talking about vibes so atmosphere is like really intense but like the stories are so widely ranging um you can have maybe the more i don't know i don't even want to call it typical but like plotted story like howl's moving castle there's a lot of action there um but are are disney films gonna have necessarily have like the anti-war sentiment <laughs> you know <laughs> and stuff like like you know appreciating your elders as like i don't know it, it, not, i mean the closest right. the closest disney movie i can think of which is a pixar movie is wally right wally was all about vibes right but yeah, that's the only the, and, one yeah. i can think of hmm well uh not not about vibes but iron giant was uh yeah, but that's that's, different, that's but... not Disney though, right? No, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> yeah. if we're talking about a, like yeah. American films, um, all being kind of compared to Disney, and that one sort of stands out. I feel, um, and I think it stands out because it's it was kind of that surprising, nuanced storytelling that people, at least I think in the West, don't expect out of animated films. Yeah, um, but yeah. so Kiki. Very cute. I have uh, some GG art somewhere around here. Um, <laughs> I it's the easiest costume to yes. wear because I wore it. I've <laughs> have either of you gone to the Ghibli Museum in I Japan? Right. Okay. Bad boy ex boyfriend, but like I. Went, <laughs> That's why he's an ex, huh? I know. So many. I was just like, let's go there, and like, why? I'm like. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, it's so charming, and I, oh. I wore uh, I wore like uh, I, I wore a cat shirt that day. Actually, I still feel like that's fairly on brand. And then my friend, who I was traveling with, wore the outfit um, like uh, like uh, her friend in Kiki's delivery service. Uh, what's his name? Tomba, the little boy. Yeah, so the, he was the thirsty like a little st- boy who like was stalking yeah. her the entire time. Yeah, he's wearing like like a, sh- like a little striped shirt. Yeah, I was, I was like, dude, it's you need to calm cute. down. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so beautiful. I mean, if you are ever fortunate enough to go to Japan and like ever find yourself in like a open field of like tall grass, like it feels exactly like a Ghibli movie. And I just and I didn't realize that until I was physically there. And he is captured. I think he's captured like this 
I'm sure we don't wear, you know, we're crass Americans and English is a brash language. I'm sure we do not have a word for this, but there's like a certain like feeling you get when you're standing in nature and it's just like you're calm and peaceful and like the sun's hitting and it's just like beautiful. Like that's what I get when I stand in those places in Japan and like those movies, these Ghibli movies, like directly translate that feeling to me. Which is pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, you can talk about plot and like character, but like, how do you you capture a feeling like that's that's <laughs> pretty bot like that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, and I think on the animation side, they're clearly animated, but they like you're right. I think there's sort of a realism to their environments because they are able to capture that. Um, yeah, not just the realism, yeah. but also just the way they frame their shots and the way they like they animate those well, shots right when when i was in the um when i was in the museum the special exhibit was about the food of ghibli and <laughs> we definitely talk about that because he can make any food look freaking delicious i come out of all those movies i'm like i want eggs and bacon i want ramen i want to make a bento box i mean kiki's was just full of bread there's so much I know, bread right? in that movie. <laughs> so much bread and then and then there's actually a bakery called Kiki that's totally not licensed. <laughs> like, uh, not, it's not licensed. I'm sure Hayao Miyazaki did not approve of this. But he apparently uh, takes, like, really, really extra care when he animates both food and how people eat the food. He says chopsticks are the hardest thing because everyone uses them differently. Mm. And there's so many moving parts. Like, it's the hand holding two separate sticks and eating different foods. So there's just so many variables. He's like, it's, it's, he takes like extra time to, um, to, to animate that correctly. And then there was like this little mirror where you could like sit and like at the fake ramen bar and like try to use chopsticks while you're like looking at yourself using chopsticks. It was very, very cute. I mean, I think this is why you can really tell it's Asian. Like <laughs> the food, <laughs> the honoring of the food in these movies is just amazing. Um, I still think about No Face. Um, oh, him like inhaling everything. Oh my God. I mean, like how many times have I used that gif? Too many times. <laughs> it's so great. I really like it in Howl's Moving Castle when Caliban makes the bacon and eggs. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I'm starting to fill that Ghibli hole in my um, pop culture repertoire. Um, I would watch, I mean, I've always planned on watching more. So now, um, uh, maybe I'll keep doing it for these pop culture gap segments. Oh, do Princess Mononoke. It's probably like the 180 of, <laughs> of, um, Kiki. Kiki's like cute and calm and coming of age. Mononoke's like, you want blood? I'm gonna <laughs> give you blood. Yeah. But what I, what I kind of like about the, our choices is that it kind of opened up our world to these other bigger i don't want to say franchises but like we can now you can watch all the muppet films and the muppet show and then now marvin you can watch the other ghibli films and i can watch the rest of the mighty ducks and then maybe <laughs> follow up on the podcast and see what else there is you should check out the cartoon if, if it's on disney plus uh, you know i'm gonna check it's out an episode not great. It's, yeah no i'll check it out an epi episode just so i know what's up but yeah I don't know it's, if I'm going to follow that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to uh, find an excuse to watch these things that we've been putting off for so long. Um, hopefully you all had a good time listening to us uh, talk about these things that, I mean, I'm sure I've, I've gotten so many um, angry emails and tweets from people who have heard me say that I haven't watched a lot of Ghibli. Um, I know it's like, it's a traitorous thing to say in our community, I guess. Um, but I, I'm I'm working to um, you know, fill that hole. So, um, thank you, Jess and Han, again for joining me to talk about all the good pop. If people want to find out more about your thoughts online, where can they go? You can find me on Twitter at JustJudeTweets. I am also on Twitter at Anonymous. You can follow me at Marvin Yuet. You can follow the podcast at Good Pop Club. And you can also check out the podcast and subscribe to us by going to goodpop.club. Uh, we're a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can learn more about us and our fellow Potluck Pods by going to our website, podcastpotluck.com. 
gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Stay safe. Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, No. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So, are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja! Am I going to see sauna towel buns?